Welcome to Thrivers, nonprofit leadership for the next normal. I am your host, Tucker Wanamaker, the CEO of Thrive Impact. Our mission is to solve nonprofit leader burnout. We believe that burnout is the enemy of creating positive change, and we want to connect you with impactful, mission-driven leaders and ideas so that you can learn to thrive in today's nonprofit landscape. Uh, today, as usual, I'm joined uh, by our chief of impact, the one and only Sarah Fanslow. Where's the drum roll? Drum roll. Woo! Oh, hey, Tucker. Great. There it is. There it is. Um, you know, this is a series, Sarah, that we've uh, been learning into uh, with the Pikes Peak Community Foundation. And I'll introduce uh, Mina here in just a minute, as well as our other guest, Scott. Um, but, uh, you know, I've it's been such a fascinating journey of really trying to unpack what is capacity building really? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I keep thinking about this this phrase that has come up multiple times in conversations we've had which is the old Hippocratic oath of do no harm. Yeah. And, and sometimes I've, I've been curious about when his capacity building efforts sometimes done harm when yet it was still trying to do good work, but yet actually didn't necessarily create the right conditions mm. versus uh, the space of how, you know, really reflecting on how, how can capacity building make sure and not do harm and actually build the capacity of the organizations. Um, mm. And so you know, this has been a really fascinating conversation. Any reflections for you, Sarah, just right off the bat before we hop into our conversation with our guests on this work around capacity building? Yeah, not, capacity building is definitely a hot topic right now. I think in the nonprofit and the philanthropic sectors, a lot of the newsletters and journal articles coming into my inbox right now are around this topic and this subject. Um, I think in part because, you know, at the root of some of the older approaches are you know, pieces like there's an expert that knows better than the people that are getting the knowledge, right? There's some with knowledge and some without, and it's exacerbated in some places, existing power dynamics, as well as I think in many places, yeah, just put the, continue to put the nonprofit as the other who needs the help rather than positioning them as the experts that they are and engaging, you know, uh, folks in continued conversation about growth and change as part of a larger community. And so I think, you know, that's what's exciting about the work that we're doing with Pikes Peak Community Foundation and with organizations like Scott is that, you know, it's a guide from the side and it's an opening of the space um, that we're trying to do here in support of not setting up that dynamic of experts and non-experts, but really creating the conditions for everyone to learn from each other. So mm. that's what I'm loving. Um, our, our, that's what we're trying to do. I'm yeah. Listening. Love that, Sarah. Well, I wanted to introduce our our guests today. Uh, Mina, you have been with us, and you're kind of throughout throughout this whole journey. We've been uh, hand in hand with you uh, throughout this whole journey of uh, this uh, program that we're calling Thrivers. That is a co-funded project of the Resiliency Through Innovation Fund uh, that that you all have at the Pikes Peak Community Foundation. But Mina, you are uh, the director of Community Impact over there. Uh, I like to say, or, or actually you all like to say, we, we're, you're putting community back into Community Foundation, uh, which I so appreciate the work that you're doing, Mina, and the heart that you bring. Uh, but Mina, thank you for being on the podcast again around the series around capacity building. It is such a joy to be with you again. Thanks for inviting me to be on with you again. I just, it's a great opportunity to connect with our nonprofit partners as well as with the Thrive team. Love it. And uh, and we also have a uh, really the guest uh, of of this podcast today, which is Scott Marble. Scott, um, you are the chief operating officer of the Colorado Springs Conservatory. Uh, you've been there for about two and a half years, but this is your third career and nonprofits are 
you know, over these last two and a half years have been uh, new for you, but you've come from 25 years worth of being in hospitality. You also were a ballet dancer before that in your first career. Then maybe even your first, first career, your waiting tables in college and things like that, as you were sharing, um, you know, those are a little bit of the the things about you, but Scott, I just want to share, um, you have been such a uh, delight and joy to, uh, to have as a part of this Thriver program. Um, you, you have been a super participant. You have been somebody who has uh, been uh, brought your very honest and thoughtful uh, energy and feedback and insights and wisdom. And to kind of hit on what Sarah just shared, uh, you have a, a, an immense amount of wisdom, even though nonprofits are quote unquote new to you, your lens has just been really uh, refreshing in, in this community that we've been building. So Scott, I just wanted to say thank you for being a part uh, for being so engaging and uh, and for being a guest on our podcast here today about capacity building. Wow. Uh, thank you. I, it's been a complete pleasure. Uh, it's It's been a gift. I will just open with that, that this opportunity, uh, when Mina reached out, I, I, I had to grab it. I mean, there was no way to say, oh, I don't have time. This is something that we all knew and I personally knew we needed to make time for. And it's it's met all the expectations, I will tell you, and it's it's had its own uniqueness. Um, I was coming in at a time when a legendary organization was was shifting from a founder who mm. did so much in our community and continues to do that. But as I got deeper into uh, the operations, I was realizing, particularly when it came to fundraising, not only was she building the programming she was the one doing the fundraising and at age 28 the organization needed to build some structure for sustainability because founders are one of a kind and they're driven in ways that most other people aren't or that that can't sustain it so it really became incumbent to find ways to build that sustainability and you know to tap onto the community foundations line to build the resiliency you know, mm -hmm. as things shifted and not to mention this particular opportunity with a revenue uh, genera uh, generator was that, um, you know, we're coming off of two years of, of COVID and what major fundraisers did any of us have? And so there was a new normal. There was a way to look at things, particularly when we started, you know, we weren't sure what the environments would or wouldn't be and yeah. how could we, we come into this. So, it again, just a thank you to all of you and the opportunity to to work with you and Sarah has just been, you know, on top of everything else, it's just been great fun, you mm -hmm. know, for such difficult topics when, you know, we talk money, that's people's livelihoods when you're yeah. at my level and that's keeping the doors open. And, and I think with all of the peers in the Energizer, you know, we could say this, this became also just a great support system for us because you don't get to share that in the office. You know, there's maybe like one other person or your board chair, and then I have a great board, but you know, many boards are like, well, go figure it out. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> this is just been, I'll repeat myself. It's just, it's a gift and unwrapping it has, has been a joy as well. So thank you. Well, thank you for that, Scott. And, you know, I want to unpack something you just shared, which was, you know, a little bit around you were presented with this, this, this uh, potential to be part of this community and, and, you know, nonprofit leaders struggle a lot of times we all do around, um, taking the time mm. to learn, right. Yeah. Um, 
creating spaces of learning, where this is something we're wrestling through in a very real and tangible way inside of Thrive Impact right now, where uh, from a process perspective, we literally carved out a day. It's literally on Valentine's Day. It is literally our day of learning. Mm. We're like, we are not creating enough space for learning. And so we're like, we carved a day. It is on the calendar. Nobody can schedule anything on it for anything. And, um, but, you know, I was appreciating what you were sharing around. What were the conditions that said, that made you think, huh, I am busy. I have a lot on my plate and yet I need to make time for this. Like what, what was, what was underneath that uh, of sorts for you? Or what insight are you, are you bringing into that of realizing the importance of this type of work? Well, part of it was I, I'm new to the sector. And so the fact that your mission is to support those creative nonprofit uh, leaders really just brought that home for me that I needed to understand it from a different perspective. I'm, I'm used to people buying things and money coming in every day. And the timing in a nonprofit world is, is not that you're, you're definitely in a, in a sales capacity in the fundraising world. So I recognize that from the hospitality world, but at the same point, it's, it's in fits and starts or it's in chunks or dribbles. And so that part of it, for me personally, was very uncomfortable and continues to be uncomfortable. I'll be perfectly honest. You know, you yeah. get those grant letters and say, we really love your organization, but this year I'm so sorry, you know, and we've just come through a series of those, mm. um, which we understand it's, it's all market conditions and other things, or we're just hitting those cycles. You I'm preaching to the choir here. Um, one of the great things I'm going to interject about the, the program was the practical in real life experiences and scenarios that both you and Sarah could share. You know, this wasn't just, oh, here's what you do and good luck. It's like, no, when I was in your position or I found this worked and I think that was incredibly invaluable. So to see those opportunities arise at a time, what I also knew, to be quite honest, the community was looking at, at the organization. What does happen to an organization mm. when the key person leaves? You know, when yeah. any personality of such magnitude, be it the founder or a really successful CEO, there are there are doubts. And so it was, again, incumbent upon me to say it's my responsibility to make sure that the organization continues in its mission and that it shifts into this new chapter. And I need every tool that I can have in my wheelhouse to, to be successful and, and to lead the team. Yeah. Mm, that's great, Scott. Well, I wanted to, um, I wanted to unpack, um, a particular part of the program of the Thriver program. There's been many factors involved. One's been a leadership collaborative, which is an ongoing individual personalized leadership type of journey. Some have been some coaching that I know that one of your colleagues uh, has been yes. taking advantage of. Um, but this particular one is one of what we called our organization aligning energizers. And this particular one was called a revenue energizer. And which is just for those who are listening, it was a four part or four workshop series. Uh, each workshop was two hours a piece. And uh, pretty much every other week is what we would do for the four workshops um, to where people would be able to come out with a revenue strategy that they were able to double down on, focus on over this next year. And so, um, so Scott, that's what I wanted to unpack with you a little bit here is, uh, describe your experience, uh, in the revenue energizer. What was it like to be part? Maybe, you know, there's a couple of questions here that I know I've asked you, uh, ahead of time of what did you love and what did you learn? Like what really resonated for you and connected? Mm -hmm. 
but also too, on the other side, like what was challenging? What uh, was like, Ooh, maybe, maybe if we could have shifted this or done this a little differently or whatever it might be, Scott. So we'd love to unpack a little bit of your experience of what was it like to be a part of, of the revenue energizer? You know, I have been lucky enough, and again, thanks to Mina and the Community Foundation and their sponsors to, I think I was overly enthusiastic, although rightfully so, to pop into a number of things with Thrive Impact. So I, I had the benefit of being very comfortable when we got into some of the more meatier conversations. Uh, but throughout anything that, that you and Sarah do, there's there's a great sense of building that community and building building a space uh, that people could be honest, as honest as they wanted to be or be as open as they needed to be in that moment. So I think that that foundation alone created the environment for learning. Uh, the, the, the breakout pieces that we did with our peers also made it a little more familiar, brought it down to a level that we were going, okay, you're doing the same thing I'm doing. Or in my case, particularly with revenue, I'm, I'm not a development director. I mean, I have skills in other areas. So that was invaluable to talk to some people within the group that that was their key role to understand their perspective. Um, I would say the way the course is structured, there's a great balance of here's the theory, here's the research, and here's the practicality of how this all comes together. I I still cite the skateboard analogy of let's not build the car. <laughs> let's start with those little wheels that get the skateboard down the road. I mean, especially when you're staring at so much it was refreshing to have people with mm. such expertise go step way back and let's let's find that and i think again those real world experiences that you brought to the table the experts you brought in uh, especially in this particular one as we identified what sector we wanted to pursue or could see in our organization i i chose the corporate piece and that was that was great um i'll circle back i was lucky enough to to sit in on the the impact of story energizer which fit perfectly with this and i you know i keep looking at that little impact cycle because that particular piece that you all shared again for me being new but i think for anybody in the the nonprofit sector it was a great reminder of okay how does the story affect the impact and the impact affect the revenue and the, you know and all of that because i was sort of like well which which is the chicken and which is the egg and <laughs> yes, i don't want to break the egg because yeah. it's just that tricky and seeing how it all comes together and trying to continue to apply that has has been great and it's it's still a challenge i mean you know the, the world doesn't stop i think challenging wise it's always time you mentioned that earlier i i think it's always it's the time and i would say part of the challenge too was a bit of me going i i don't i don't have this and i know it's so important and i also if we're going to tap into capacity I knew no one was focused on it because we had so many spinning mm. wheels. And because in all honesty, it was just the way the the organization had been structured and it had been successful, but it was also eye-opening. And that was a challenge to go, oh, this this isn't right. And to admit that it's not right mm. or to admit that we're going, oh, it'll happen because it always did. But you're like, it always did because somebody else was, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so that's been a big learning piece for us, even as we continue now 
um, with the new CEO. And we're, we're having those, those tough conversations about, okay, we've got to get this together. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's just the, the, the pain of recognizing the system's not working when you thought maybe it would just continue to go um, was a real vulnerable moment. And so mm. again, I, I would say walking away with those tools that you gave us uh, and, and also taking the time in the session to walk through them. Because a lot of times, you know, Tucker, one of your questions was, you know, how was this different? And I think two things stood out to me. The fact that we did it over four weeks and did it every other week helped with that challenge of time. There wasn't this crunch of, oh gosh, tomorrow. It wasn't a four day workshop. You know, it was, uh, you're going to have time to think about this. You have time to process and take a look at it. Mm. And it doesn't mean that you now have to just put away the next daily tasks that you didn't do for the last two hours that I had your time. You know, so I thought that was brilliant in terms of how it spaced out because I didn't get to all of it right away, but the worksheet sat right over here on my desk as a little reminder that the bridge work forms or what it was. And so as we got closer, it would be like, oh, I need to think about that, but not really realizing as when I said that, oh, I am thinking about this. Mm-hmm. And I let it happen a little more organically than under pressure of, okay, so tomorrow when we meet, you need to have this, 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 realizing that I also knew my inbox was doing this. And so <laughs> I, I, I appreciate, I didn't recognize it at the time, but as I was reflecting on your question, I was going, oh, this really did help um, mm-hmm. make the work feel more genuine and more thoughtful so that it wasn't just, oh yeah, I owe them an answer. So here's my answer. And I'm not sure if it's the right one to pursue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and Scott, one of the things that I I loved that you did constantly was really, um, and, you know, we try to open up choice for folks because we all just are in different experiences and organizations, but the bridge work is partially intended for folks to bring back into their organizations and generate conversation around so that it goes from being one person conversation to an org conversation. And I know you did that. You are one of the folks who really took that seriously and went back and did that repeatedly. Um and you know, would just love any any reflections for you from you on, um, you know, how or whether that was helpful um, to have those conversations with folks in your org about the work you were doing in the workshop or what that made possible. I think what it made possible was it it helped take some of the burden off me personally. Okay. I didn't feel like it was my sole responsibility. So the opportunity to invite board members into that final session, mm-hmm. you know, I, I've gotten to know the board members well enough to know these people will be truly engaged or will want to know. Um, and then everybody else in the organization was great with going, oh, well, that's an interesting thought. I'll, I'll go back to the impact of story. Uh, mm. That was a great one because we kind of recognized we've got too many words in too many places. Yep. <laughs> you know, That yeah. was really a thing when we looked at how we're presenting things, even how we're asking, what are the, uh, you know, that particular one, Sarah was, I loved um, the in-between, your impact piece was just like, okay, make those quick. Like, this is what you do. That's that's yep. not really what it is. What's the transformation? I'm sorry, mm-hmm. the acronym skipping in yeah. my brain at the moment, but it was fantastic with, okay, what's at stake? 
Right. You know, what, what are you doing? What, what is your impact? What does it sit? You know, we, what was the stake? What was the impact? And what's the transformation? Yeah. And so we're still trying to work through that. And, mm-hmm. you know, believe it or not, with everything else, we're going to start doing a website transformation um, yeah. in the next, before we get to the next uh, piece of, of our semester in the, in the new school year. So having all of those little pieces and being able to share um, yeah. really, really makes a difference. And I think also being encouraged to do that from your group, as well as saying, hey, bring them to class, mm, <laughs> because, yeah. you know, bring mom and dad to class and they can see what you're doing, as well as yeah, not that anyone questioned the time I was spending, but it was a bit of confirmation. And it was also great to be able to say, to, you know, to bring the community back into all of this to say, well, this mm. is being made possible by the Community Foundation. Yes. All right. of my board members know so many people at the Community Foundation, and they just recognize that this is this is how it's all circling together mm-hmm. and what's really happening. So, yeah, yeah it, was, it was great to be able to do that. I, l- I love what you're sharing, you know, and you said it a little bit earlier of it took the burden off of you. Like how many how many trainings are out there from a capacity building mm-hmm. perspective that are individualized? Not, not that they're right or wrong, but I just wanted to reflect on that particular piece, right? Of, of, you know, we go to these trainings or we are part of these year long cohorts of, you know, of an individual community that I'm just solely on. And I learned things. And I think this is something that we learned. We, you know, we've done thrivers. We kind of have a a 1.0 model and this has been our 2.0 model of, of realizing that the, the self-work is good and individualized cohorts can be fine. And it doesn't quite affect the change that's needing to be affected when it comes to solving nonprofit leader burnout, because so much of the burnout comes from the organization and the system in which we exist in, right? Mm-hmm. And and so just to hear you say around taking some of that burden off of, you know, <laughs> you were able to bring board members to class and and Chantel was, a, you know, one of the people who was a part of this workshop with you, um, that you were able to bring that learning back to the organization it sounds like much more quickly and you didn't have a burden to f- try to figure out how do I communicate this? How do I translate this? You had a team that helped you to do that. Yeah. And it was good to, again, involve more people. I'll, I'll go back to how the organization was founded and how it was maintained. It was, it was one pillar. And that's just, again, that's a superhuman effort. And those people come once in a generation. So you have to be prepared or find a way to, to move it forward. And this just, brought it to light, brought it to light in a way that also, you know, I, I know that I'm not going to be here for 30 years. So it's yeah. my responsibility to build it so that it isn't the same challenge. There'll be different challenges when, you know, a, a next generation of leaders takes it on. Yeah. Mm. I mean, I want to come over to you uh, for a moment too, and, and partly just get your reflections. Like you just heard a little bit about Scott's experience and, uh, you're, you know, you're the director of community impact. And so you're, you're constantly thinking about impact, which I love. Um, and I'm just kind of curious from you, like any reflections on what Scott literally just shared about both the challenges and, and the things that he loved, uh, some of the work and, and, and really maybe that can tie into what have you been learning through this journey? as well uh, around not just the revenue energizer, but the whole sort of um, thriver program with the resiliency through innovation fund. Um, What have you been learning and what kind of lessons are coming up for you? Thanks for the question, Tucker. I think, um, you know, as when we 
set out on this journey of identifying the fact that resiliency was going to be a factor for our nonprofit sector and trying to figure out what that looked like, how that would really help best support with philanthropic dollars. It's It's been an evolution, right? Like it's it's one of those, like, you got to try something out to see if it works. We had the space, meaning there were a number of organizations that had to pause what they were doing in 2020 and really take a step back and say, what are we going to continue to do? And this was before any supplemental federal dollars or state dollars were coming down. So we had no idea what was going to happen. We thought that we were going to be in a in a short shutdown that was a couple of weeks to then a couple of months. And then we evolved to where we are. So thinking about, you know, just even Scott's role and coming in 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 the middle of a pandemic Stepping into some big shoes, truly, with um, the previous founder and CEO of the organization and and really trying to figure out what's going to be the best way to steward and direct the organization to a place where they stay sustainable in the long term. And capacity building was really like that the what of that, right? So in some education, learning opportunity sense, it was great timing for Scott and his team to be able to, to embark and be a part of something like this. I think the encouragement that happened, you know, from our funding partners as well as board members and that support, all of that aligns in the bigger sense of you need a strong team and you need to be able to engage with one another in order to really be supportive of what the capacity and the learning within capacity building really is. And, you know, just kind of thinking and reflecting on what the the definition of capacity is. I think that's something that we always want to talk about. And if you're framing it in a nonprofit sense, and I kind of looked it up just to, to see if I was reflecting on it the same way, it was thinking about the investment in the effectiveness and future sustainability of a nonprofit. Mm. And that is the intention of how our philanthropic community was really looking at our resiliency through innovation initiative. So going back to, you know, again, all things, even from Sarah's intro opening of talking about why the way in which the Thrivers community has come together and, and how everything is really connected in the bigger sense of things. And then how more than just the decision makers or leaders of the organizations have been able to engage and actually be a part of this process is really shifting an organization into a better, hopefully more ideal state for future resilience and sustainability. So you create tools and we bring, we bring these resources and it's really up to the organization to take advantage of it. And, you know, the, the fact that the Colorado Springs Conservatory is one of those organizations that took it, you know, by the horns, but really embraced the opportunity and then engaged more than just one person into this fold, into this mix, but spread the leadership, the growth, the professional development opportunity to so many different aspects of the organization is just a testament to why work like resiliency is truly needed and needs to continue for our nonprofit sector. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just made me think about something as you were speaking that you just, I was like, oh, yes, she's so right. Is this piece around um, uh, the light, the role of lifelong learner in leadership. Um, and, you know, all of that research from the leadership circle assessment, they have done 
tens of thousands of these um, surveys of leadership. And the most important thing in a high effective leader uh, is self-awareness and lifelong learning is one of the key parts of that. And so as you were talking, I was like, ah, hundred percent, right? As we think about you know, Scott saying, I was really busy and I knew I needed to do this. It's the awareness of the need to learn and then the willingness to make space for it that I think is at, you know, at the foundation of a lot of the organizations now that are really poised to to thrive or are already thriving and will continue to thrive. So I just want to appreciate that piece of that lifelong learning piece and the central role that that plays in both capacity building and resilience. Yeah, that's right. And and again, just thinking about the mechanism or the method in which we're we're delivering this learning opportunity, right? So we're thinking about it as flexibility. Scott emphasized that the fact that it was spread over a period of time. And yes, I mean it's up to and at the end of the day for you to engage in the opportunity and be a part of it. And life happens, things happen. But if there is more than just you sometimes, it makes the opportunity that much richer because you hear different things. And then to do that peer-to-peer element or aspect of, of the learning is the reflective piece that then says, what did you hear from that? Or if you're, you know, you're in this space together, what were your nuggets? I mean, we can't retain every single part of what is what we're listening to or what we're learning, but we can pull the nuggets and then collectively the collective trust, brain trust comes in and you say, oh, what if we did this? How could we implement that? And that's how I think the growth through, you know, learning and discovery for something like this resource can just continually benefit in the long term. Mm, That's fantastic, Mina. Uh, Scott, I'm going to pull an audible here real quick on you. Uh, Just out of curiosity, I'm, I was reflecting on thinking about a nonprofit leader who's like, you know, all that learning sounds great, but how did this like really practically, and you've hit on some of this a little bit, but like, how is this, you know, literally from the corporate strategy, revenue strategy, um, to shifting of your meetings, like in a real granular level, as much as you're able to go, um, how has the revenue energizer shifted your planning for the year? Uh, how has it shifted your, and you kind of hit on this a little bit from a capacity issue and like, you know, we're, we it unearthed a little bit of a, we need to figure out how, how we, you know, say no to some things potentially in order to say yes right. to some of these. Uh, but just curious, like real on the ground level, week in, week out, what are there things that have shifted or changed because of the revenue energizer for you um, that has, uh, yeah, that have changed? Well, I, I'll tell you, I keep, I keep thinking we're on camera because we can see each other. I keep pointing to something that no one's going to see. Uh, but I'm like, yes, that that smart sheet is is off to my left. Uh, and I will tell you, some of the timing has been kind of neat because we're going into a big fundraiser. The wine festival is about to come. So I've reached out to, you know, these will become uh, introductions for me in terms of, okay, you're sponsoring or these are some of our regular sponsors. And then there are opportunities to start identifying. And I think... I will quote you, there's not enough orange on my calendar, Tucker. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, In terms of, I will take two things away. Uh, Well, more than that, but uh, some of those nuggets that stuck were, okay, you've got to make time for the uncomfortable. That probably comes back to one of the capacity pieces because it's not my wheelhouse. And 
those of us that are in operations tend to get pulled back into operation. And how do you start delegating some of that out, which which we are able to do, but then being able to go forward and say, uh, we sat down, uh, Chantel, who is in, in the conversations with us, as well as Nathan, who's our new CEO. And last Friday, we spent two hours going, okay, what's this new org chart look like? And where are where are the people for the capacity that we need to have? Because the three of us are carrying either too much or it's not the right skill set. And you know, it's one of those, like Mina said, you throw it up in the air and let's see what happens. So it's up in the air right now, but we've been pondering it. It's been percolating. So that really has come into uh into our fore given the conversations that we've had uh particularly the ener uh, revenue energizer, as well as going, okay, and what is the financial model of the organization? Yeah, Here is the deeper dive that really was, does this work? Um, you know, great to go back with the high, high impact, low effort uh, quadrant. That was just like, oh yeah, let's, you know, so that's, <laughs> that was sort of there, or that's becoming more a part of, yeah, no, that's not worth it. Um, yeah. It's great, but by the time we do all of that, will it have the effect that we need it to have without diminishing our capacity? Because that's the other thing we're trying to make sure we're not doing. You know, we talked about capacity building, and you alluded to it earlier, but that capacity building should not then turn into the fact that you have no capacity for anything more because you're just done. And then the wheels stop. So it's how to stay in perpetual motion with everything else that's that's going on. But it, for me personally, it's brought it way forward now how much action I'm doing on it, but it's much more in the front of my mind that this needs to be happening and different things, as I said, timing of, of grants and foundational gifts or personal gifts uh, affect you in ways you need to be ready to react to. And that's just part of the reality of, of being in this particular, it's no, you know, in some cases it's no different than someone's not coming through the door in my retail store. How do I get more, pay? you know, it's, I do love the fact that those parts of my experience are relatable because, mm. um, and again, I'll, I'll, here's another one I love sharing from you, Tucker was like a nonprofit is gesture tax status people <laughs> <laughs> yeah right because that was a great expression that you shared that is very true it's you have if you're going to continue to invest if you want to be that organization that's investing if you're fortunate enough to have a physical structure like i am or if you want to then be able to take that profit and invest in your people because that's really yeah. what makes the organization going especially something that mine that is so personal with with musical and theater training that is a person you know so many people and you want to like anybody else you want to attract the best and you attract the best with salaries and benefits and you don't just want to be that oh that that adage of oh it's a nonprofit and they're messy and they don't do that it's like no that's 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 not who we are and that's not who we want Come to on. be and that means we can't be sustainable yeah. <laughs> we, we 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 need some structures and so mm -hmm. yeah all those things just kind of ruminated and turned into this okay um we we've got to focus on on so many things but this one we, we can't have big dreams if if we don't have the revenues 
And yeah. that's sort of an oxymoron sometimes in this business of, you know, if you have the big dream, everything else will come. It's like, mm, yes and no. There's, <laughs> there's moderation to that phrase yes too. No. You know, now I'm quoting my CEO. He's like, well, we can only, you know, we can only have dreams or, or we can plan dreams around what we have and still be successful. And I think that was a, a great Ooh, framework. Great. You know, just because we're saying we don't have and, you know, we all like to say we don't have, but at moments you have to have that reality check. And I think that's where sometimes the lofty images or the here's the mission we're doing. It's like, that's great. But you know what? If this keeps going, that mission's going to stop. Um, right. And what, what good did that do for our community? So, mm -hmm. yeah, it's it's it, it's kept the brain. <laughs> it's kept the wheels turning for sure. Well, and I just want to reflect, I think, Scott, what I heard you share, one of the ways we're kind of measuring the impact of this program is looking at did organizations increase in their skill as a learning organization. And there are a few key pieces underneath being a learning organization, including creating a supportive learning environment, but also um, generating uh, learnings that then turn into um you know, you do learn, do it's the agile cycle. And I'm hearing you talk a lot about, you know, recognizing challenges and then bringing those conversations into your team for that agile method of learning in support of more quickly shifting and changing. And then the third piece of the learning organization is about leadership that supports learning, which is about bringing conversations out of the C-suite and into the organization for co-creation and discussion. And I also want to you know, raise up the the gift you have clearly around that and um, how you've done that throughout this process. So I'm hearing a lot of these pieces about what it looks like to be a learning organization come out in some of what you were sharing and just wanted to, to mention that. Well, thank you. That's uh, yeah. all, a lot of that's thanks to you yeah. and, and what Thrive has done and the opportunities that the foundation have, yeah. uh, have given us. And we're we are certainly very, very grateful and mm -hmm. because we recognize that a program like this was not within anything we could do. No, really, Mina, it's been it's been incredible. It was I, I can't say it enough and I've said it too much. So <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you. Fantastic. Well, I wanted to close this conversation. Um, I actually don't want to, but I know that we're a little bit at time just in our own our own time constraints and um but wanted to uh, open up a space of reflection of, you know, how is this conversation even, what, what's something that was meaningful or valuable for you, uh, Scott and Mina and Sarah too, for that matter? Uh, what was something meaningful or valuable that, would, you know, maybe it was an aha or maybe it was like a, oh yeah, or maybe it was a, uh, that's why we're doing this work or something like that. Um, just something that was meaningful or valuable about this conversation for you that helped you to reflect uh, maybe shift your thinking around the approach to this work or helped you to double down on your approach uh, and why we're doing this work. I just wanted to open up that last final reflection. I would say the conversation was just another reminder. It was just another reminder. And anytime there are voices that are saying, you know, it's going to take time. It is a process. It, it It's just a reassurance that, you're on the right track because sometimes when we're not taking action, we feel like we're not paying attention to it. 
And I think that was sort of a realization for me. It's, it's, you know, it's here in the front of my mind, but it's always, and it's always there to come back to. So it's always oscillating like, okay, it's there, it's back. It has to go back for a minute because now I've got to deal with this. But as soon as I'm done with that, I have to come back to that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, I'll say it again, Tucker, I do do the whole, um, you know, there's no orange on my calendar. I mean, <laughs> so those, but those are the little reminders of we, because it, it has to be, it has to be so intentional and it's, it's still trying to find the place to, to carve the time out. And I'll not to make an excuse for myself, but I, I am kind of going, okay, I've got this six event thing going that's going to raise money for, so it is a fundraiser, but I need to keep looking at how that is going to become the step to the next thing that we talked about within the organization or in the energizer that, you know, it's just, okay, that's done in March. And then let's be, let's be smart about how that can cat catapult something forward. And, yeah. and then how we do that in concert with, as we look at, at the team, because you know, time flies and we're going to be in a new fiscal year in July and we'd like to have something really set up to work towards to go, okay, here's another motivator for creating more revenue so that we can get more revenue from having you know, that, that person or that capacity when that structure is in place, I think is really what we, we keep saying on so many levels in the organization. Um, that we need to just shore it all up so that we can yeah. work within the framework yeah. and then we can bring more people into it because we know what we're doing with it. We're not just saying, oh, come on in. And we're like, and do what? We're like, well, we're still talking about that. You know, we're yeah. kind of at that point where we want to go, we see X, Y, and Z, and you're going to be great at Y. Mm -hmm. So let's go do that. Yeah. Uh, real quick for the listeners, the context of the orange on the calendar comes from, mm -hmm. I just want to honor where that came from, which is Thank Serena Bruzgo of, uh, one of the most amazing fundraisers she's up here in Denver is the president of the Craig Hospital Foundation. But that was about uh, if you don't have orange on your calendar, which are time with your donors, <laughs> literally, if you do not have time on your calendar, which is the orange that she color codes, if you don't have the time, the orange on the calendar, then it's not you're not doing it right. So, Scott, thanks for bringing that in. And I just want to make sure listeners knew exactly what that was, because it's such a poignant, important point, Scott. So thank you. Mina, how about you? Yeah, to kind of expand on some of the, the things that Scott was saying, I mean, the, the whole impetus of a lot of this is, is building connection. So it's building connection among nonprofit leaders that may not have been in the same circles. They are in different sectors. They are connected or they know each other's names peripherally, but don't really know them or don't have an opportunity to engage with them otherwise because they don't run in the same nonprofit circles. So I think that was that was one of the opportunities, right? And when you think about cross-collaboration, cross-sector, non-traditional types of relationships, you totally expand the, the ways in which you're thinking, the ways in which you're creatively trying to, if it's fundraise, think about how you engage your teams and keep them motivated. Morale is another element, I think, that's a maybe not a direct um element of what you're what you're working through but you build that camaraderie and that that morale when you have some shared learning experiences and can build off of it from one another so as i kind of reflect on again peer-to-peer -peer learning is critical with this work and i and i can't emphasize it enough because at the end of the day the thrive impact team removes themselves from the equation but the nonprofit leadership 
stays in some capacity or form. And if you build that relationship with that individual or that organization, you can continue to nurture and, and foster that connection. So connecting the organizations is a big thing. I would say that also really elevating this to taking the art of listening. And this is even with us as Thrive Impact and the Community Foundation coming together and saying, how can we co-create? You guys talk about co-creating all the time and you continually listen to try and figure out even developing these frameworks of storytelling, revenue energizing, leadership, those big topics, it came out of listening to a number of conversations with a number of nonprofits that were working in this first phase of resiliency through innovation. And then from there, it's like, how can we create the best experience, create some maybe tailored learnings that are are broader and, and have more, you know, it's not a, let's do a one direction training experience. Let's create a bi-directional engaging opportunity that then leads to more than just, here's a one point in time type of situation. So I think I appreciate that so much more. And the fact that, you know, again, as a trainer, facilitator, coordinator, all of those things, that those are such key important elements in, in bringing together people regardless of where they sit in the space. So welcoming, creating the the space and the conditions for everybody to continue to learn and not have it lean on just you are quote unquote leadership by title or otherwise. So yeah. I think that's yeah. the biggest part about some of this work is that resiliency of an organization is based on more than just one person. And you need to engage totally. that entire group to, to really be successful. Mm. Thank you so much, Mina. Great thoughts at the end. Sarah, you want to close us out? Sure. I was just going to say, you know, I think one of the my big reflections is just from this conversation is that beyond, you know, the specific skills that folks may have learned, I think what Scott has really highlighted is today is part of it is just um, having the time and the space to identify gaps uh, in the organization via the conversation work that happened in the workshops and then provision and then getting tools and resources to support conversations and forward movement around those gaps. So I really heard that, Scott, from you a few times today as you were able to circle these areas in the organization where that the work helped you highlight as needing capacity. And then that provoked series of conversations about what it meant to move from where you are to maybe where you want to get to go. So that's one of the things I'm going to take away from today. Yeah. Yeah. And Sarah, to build off of you, my final reflection of and, and being able to circle that, not in a way that adds more guilt uh, or that says, oh, we've sucked at this, but in a way that's more generative, it's because you're, you, I don't, I don't hear from you, Scott feeling, I mean, you're noticing the gaps, but not in a way of like, wow, I've really, I've really screwed it up or I've sucked or we're, we're really weak here, but you've done it in a way of looking at building on your strength in a, just a different way that doesn't seem like you have guilt heaped on you or your team. Um, but more you're looking at it in just a more fresher strength-based way. So that was cool to hear. Well, Hey, uh, Mina, Scott, Sarah, great to be on this conversation with you. Uh, it was so delightful to hear, uh, what were the, what were the gifts? What were the challenges? Uh, what does this really look like? What is capacity building really mean? And Mina, I'm so grateful for even the bringing in the definition of the effectiveness and the future sustainability um, and really thinking about how do we not do more harm, but, you know, and we have that Hippocratic oath to us and 
looking at, that's why we measure our impact. Scott, I know that you're measuring your impact, Mina, you're measuring your impact and looking at how do we make sure that we use data and story and lived experience to be able to inform uh, and make sure that we're not doing more harm, even when we think we're doing something good, uh, but we're in fact actually in creating more effectiveness and more future sustainability. So thank you for being a part of this. For those listening, uh, made it here to the end, we're going to have some notes uh, in our show notes about a little more about Scott's organization and the Color Springs Conservatory, also about the Pikes Peak Community Foundation, their great work. So look for some links down in the show notes. Um, but otherwise, uh, thank you all for being here today and can't wait for our, our next episode on capacity building. Have a wonderful day, y'all. <laughs>